Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For podcasting. From the Jethro's Barbecue Studios, ask about the Friday KXNO lunch special. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Good morning. Welcome in once again. Miller and Condon on the air with you here on a football Friday as we get ready talking the world of sports with you. Coming up today on the BMW of Des Moines guest list, we'll kick things off early as we go out to Las Vegas, Mike Palm will be joining us as he will talk a little bit about what's happening in the world of Las Vegas. Get ready for the AFC-NFC Championship Games. And, oh yeah, that wrestling meet tonight. Number one versus number two, Penn State, Iowa. Circa Sports has a line out for that match. And you can bet on it right now at Circa Sports. Penn State, a significant favorite. They opened up as a favorite, minus 285. Up to now, I'd say north of 600 last I looked at it. So a big favorite tonight for Penn State against the homestanding Hawkeyes. We'll get into that. A lot of betting here in about 0, 12, 15 minutes with Mike Palm from Circa Sports. Then at the bottom of the hour, about 10.35, we'll go up to Ames. Dave Sproul will join us, K-A-S-I, as we will talk with him a little bit about what's happening in the world of Iowa State. Get ready for their matchup this weekend in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more with Dave Sproul coming up at 10.35. 11 o'clock hour starts with Tom Kakert from Hawkeye Report. We'll break things down from Tom's perspective. He was at Carver last night as Iowa falls again to Purdue. Wrap things up. Claxons giveaway. Your chance to win barbecue from Claxons in Altoona. And then our picks before we get out of here at noon. And once again, we got John Lamb in with me today. What's happening, Lamb? Man, I've already got my first Twitter trolls, my first hate mail. Uh-huh. I love it. Yes. I love the energy. This is awesome. Happy, happy to be back. Uh, it's going to be a fun day. we got plenty of basketball, a lot of football to get into. We'll break things down. We'll go out to Las Vegas and talk a little bit more, as mentioned, with Mike Palm here in just a little bit. But we start with what we saw last night in Carver. After yesterday, we talked with Fran McCaffrey. I bring it up. The one, the biggest nit that I had to pick with him, it is the two-foul participation. Iowa continually, one of the lowest percentages in the country, meaning starters that pick up two fouls in the first half, sit. It happened last night. They were down 10 when Keegan went out. They weren't playing well by any means. Got a little bit of a run, but then Purdue pulled away late in the first half. It's a 15-point halftime lead. Iowa makes comebacks, but ultimately can't get it done. So I asked the question. The question was also asked in the post-game press conference, and Fran's response was when he was asked, did you think about bringing Keegan back into the game at all in the first half? No, I did not. We know the justification. We can argue the merits of it, but here we are. Ultimately, Iowa falls. 
Man, it, it's tough. I, I, I follow that same rule. I know a lot of coaches do. Um, I, I did love his response yesterday, you know, teaching them to be a little bit more accountable, hands away, you know, hands up, toes down, uh, just being a little bit more solid, a little bit more disciplined. But you can definitely see the impact that it had. You love to see Chris come in. I mean, mm-hmm. I know he finished with 23 and 5, but he shot the ball very well. He played very well. He, he's a blossoming prospect as well continually get more minutes um maybe maybe that's a, a plan they have maybe they're doing the whole marquise marquise morris thing <laughs> trying to get each other's draft stock up i don't know tc what do you think well i got a question for you so Uh-oh. we know keegan is big time prospect latest uh, draft express and giovanni who does an incredible yep, job with jonathan that. good dude he has keegan number six yep. his number six prospect in his latest mock draft that he had up at espn.com he is for all intents and purposes, pretty much a lock, you would say, for a lottery pick. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty fair right now. My question is with Chris, and we see these games, and we saw this, What I think the Indiana game, he also really went off and played well. He is, much like his brother, good shooter. Mm-hmm. Maybe not, at least right now, you don't see kind of the bounce that you see at a Keegan. But at the very least, we get to the end of the season, Chris continues this path, continues improving, and putting up these kind of numbers. Does he also put his name at least in there? And and what do you know NBA people? What do scouts? We know that they love Keegan. I remember us having this conversation about a year ago this time, and I told you I heard from a scout with the Clippers that loved him and said, "Oh yeah, he's a first rounder." What? Yeah. What's going? Really? And of course, here we are yeah. a year later. What about Chris? Would there be that path? And what do NBA people think of though the older brother by a minute? The little one, as we think of him, Chris Murray. Right. Well, you know, uh, kudos and uh, tremendous congratulations to both young men. I mean, they work their tails off. Mm -hmm. Uh, Their player development pedigree has been unprecedented that we've seen at Iowa for a long time. I mean, the only thing I can think of is Garza when he kind of got a little bit healthier and started Mm -hmm. being a little bit more um, versatile around the basket and and shooting that 15, 17-foot jump shot. But in terms of Chris, yeah, you got to love him. you got to love the left-handed stroke. I mean, it's tight. Um, I know he was two for six last night, but he did a great job of of releasing that ball quickly, getting it off against you know a large defender. And I love how he can put that ball on the floor. Uh, He did a fantastic job. I know he didn't have any assists but he you know get got some of those hockey assists that we talked mm-hmm. about yesterday and again I love that he drives hard to his left and he's not scared to change direction and go right back to his right you'd have to think that you know having um you know a father that that I mean he's awesome I mean yeah. Kenyon's an amazing man as he's well he's my favorite yeah, he's an amazing man as well, and he's going to be very transparent with them. He's going to be very open with them, and, and he's also going to get in the gym and put lace up his shoes and put the work in with them. And you'd have to think that Chris is on that same trajectory of, of development as well. In a game where Iowa shoots 43% from the floor, they shoot 29% from three, they give up 1.26 points per possession, you think that they're absolutely throttled. And even in a game where Iowa did not play well, they had a chance. So how do you take? How do you walk away from this one? Uh, my biggest takeaway is Purdue, Purdue's just better. I mean, there's there's no two ways about it. They're just a better basketball team. There's a reason that they're ranked sixth in the country, and Iowa is probably going to be a bubble team ultimately this season. They're better, but how do you walk away from that one now knowing the importance of what stands in front of them on Monday night? A quick rematch with Penn State, a Penn State team that is going to clutch and grab and slow it down and try to play ugly out there, and there'll be 4,000 people in that huge arena, and it's going to be tough to get up for. But the importance of that game, because you lose that one, 
Things can go south very quickly. How do you get the kids' heads right, get them back ready to go on Monday? Well, you know, you walk in that locker room, and, and they didn't do what they wanted to do. They didn't execute appropriately. You know, we had Fran yesterday. He kind of gave a, a little bit of a game plan for us, and they didn't, they didn't execute it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to be a little bit confident in the fact that they battled. I was good. I was a good basketball team. They, they can play ball. But at the end of the day, you're right, TC, produce a Final Four team. You know, they, they scored. I don't know if you watched the first half. I know you did. I'm saying that because yeah. you're a freak. <laughs> but um, 100% of their points, produced points in the first half, came from four, I would say six to four feet in around the rim and in the middle third of the floor. That's the easiest shot in the world. You know, you think about some of those threes they hit. They're all in the middle third of the floor which then allows everything else to get going. They The first, what, eight points of the game um, before uh, the three from Stefanovic, mm-hmm. they're all right around the rim. You know, they're, the, as soon as they started doubling, it's kicked out. Purdue gets what they want. And Fran said that yesterday, just how well coached they are offensively. You know, they come in with a defensive prowess that, you know, everybody, you know, oohs and ahs about, and it's good. I mean, Painter is a dog, and he gets the job done. But... They can score. Yeah. They can score. And the fact that, I mean, they did hold them to 43, which, or sorry, um, 83 total points. That's great. That's great because that team has the ability to get up in those 90s and, and be very, very, very hard to beat. So as an Iowa fan, as an Iowa player, you have to be a, not excited because no one likes to lose, mm-hmm. but you have to be excited to get on that plane, to fly out to, to Penn State, and to go get to 500 percent in that win uh, big 12 column or big 10 column yeah it's so important for them just to get going get on the right track and you look at the schedule going forward so next thursday they go out to ohio state i haven't seen much of the buckeyes liddell's a stud ej Mm -hmm. liddell is one of the best you're going to find in the game but outside of that i just respect holtman Mm -hmm. you know that's going to be a tough place to win you come home for minnesota super bowl sunday yeah that's a game you absolutely should win. No, that's a week before the Super Bowl. In fact, that's during the bye week. Next Sunday, win that one. You go to Maryland. Terps are starting to play a little bit better. Yeah. Finally starting to figure some yeah. things out with Danny Manny taking over for Turgeon. And then you're home for three in a row. Nebraska, Michigan, Michigan State. Michigan and Michigan State, Wolverines are playing better. Izzo's going to play that garbage style of basketball that he employs that maybe has ruined the Big Ten over the last two decades. All right, <laughs> here's a crazy theory. You know I like my crazy theories. Oh, yeah. I get my tinfoil hat out. So... We have not seen the Big Ten win a national championship since the Izzo squad of 2000. We've seen a multitude of teams get to the Final Four. We've seen a ton of different programs play for a championship, but ultimately didn't cut down the nets. When you get to that level, that elite of the elite, and the way the officiating maybe tightens up a little bit more than what you see, has the Izzo style ultimately been the reason that the Big Ten has not won a national championship now in the last 22 years? Is that a crazy theory? Um, I mean, you said crazier things. Well, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> I, I don't. I would never say it's. You know, he hasn't changed the game that much in that regard. He has changed the game in, in a, a multitude of other ways. I believe that. I just think you know, you can never measure heart, and you can never measure intestinal fortitude, and you can never measure love when you're playing at the highest level with your brothers, with dudes you've been in the locker room with for three, four years, just sweating, grinding, crying, bleeding, fighting, clawing. I mean, you can never measure that stuff. And ultimately, the cream rises to the crop. And I would go to say that Maybe they were never the best team, and yeah. you know, and, and, what? Shoot, that was Mateen Cleaves. Was yeah, that, yeah. Mateen Cleaves, Morris Peterson. Yeah, 
I mean, by the way, Chris Murray, Murray reminds me of Mo Pete more than that's anybody I've seen. Yeah, that's a great comp. I, I watched uh, I watched him and Vince Carter play the Jazz when I, I think it was on my 13th birthday. My mom took me to Hooters with a couple friends, got me some Pokemon cards. <laughs> there you go. Went and watched um, him score 40. Both that's a him day and, when you're 13. Hey, buddy, it was a great day. And sadly, I was more excited about the Pokemon cards, you know? Well, you're a geek that way. <laughs> but no, I don't think Izzo is, has done it but you 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 make some valid points tc the the aggressiveness in which they play i mean there's a lot of fouls in these oh. big time championship games and the way Izzo just works officials and bo ryan did the same thing mm-hmm. and if they come out and if you see officiating crew right away all right you're not getting away with it today you're gonna no, the clutching and grabbing's not happening everybody yeah. coming off the screen is gonna get bumped and held and hooked we're not doing it today yeah and they call eight fouls in the first six minutes of the game but what happens those fouls, those whistles go down because of the way that Izzo rides the officials on the sideline. And that's the part, it just really does bother me. Him, Bo Ryan, Painter, he, he works the officials pretty yeah. well too. Those kind of guys where they can get away with it. And Rutgers, the way that they play with yep. Michael. Penn State with their new coaching staff, they do the same kind of things. I think ultimately, when you look big picture for the Big Ten, I guess at least it's something that you could argue at the very least. Have a couple pops at the bar and say, this is the reason the Big Ten can't ultimately win that ultimate goal. Yeah, but you know, the that same identity is also on the football field. Mm-hmm. You know, you you got to be a tough dog. You got to be a real dude to to win in the Big 10 whether it's on the the turf or or the court. I mean, I don't know. I I I, I like the I like the fact that Izzo so well respected that he can talk to those guys. I mean, when they came and used my gym, when Michigan State used my gym uh, when the NCAA tournament was here, I mean, I just got to watch him do practice. And even I was just like, what do you need, coach? Like, <laughs> did someone sweat? I'll go wipe it up. Yeah. Whatever, whatever it is, guy, I'll do it. You know, and it's just one of those things where for the good or for the worse, it's either, it's either changed the game, hurt the game, built the game, but at the end of the day, it hasn't. Um, it hasn't got them over the hump since, like you said, 2000. Let's uh, break this thing down a little bit more. We got Mike Palm coming up from Vegas in just a couple of minutes. So one of the biggest things, Jaden Ivey was good. I mean, he mm-hmm. hit a couple of big threes. Iowa, each time in the second half, they got it back within five. And there was, I think, three different times they got it yep. to five. And every single time Purdue responded. Ivy hit a three. Uh, Thompson hit a couple of threes. And that's one right there where you just kind of throw oh. your hands up. Well, his first one was an air ball. Yeah. His first three, which wasn't from the middle third of the floor, yeah. airballed that thing. And he ends up hitting four three-pointers, goes four or six. He was outstanding. Yeah. You don't expect that out of Isaiah Thompson. It, is that a scouting report thing or is that one where you just throw your hands up and say, hey, we're not going to let the big guys beat us. We're not going to let Stefanovic you know, squeeze off a bunch of threes. We're going to say if they're going to beat us, it's going to be with Isaiah Thompson, and he doesn't. You just tip the ball cap. Is it as simple as that? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I mean, these guys are so good. You know, one of the things that, that's so difficult in basketball at all levels, and you see in the NBA the most, is, well, no one plays defense. Well, these guys are so, so talented offensively. You know, they don't get, they don't get to the gym and do two hours of defensive slides, right? They're not taking tennis balls lane line to lane line, trying to be a little bit quicker laterally. These guys are getting shots up. They're working on their handles. They're getting after it. So yeah, I think, you know, um, the game plan that it looked like right away was they're doing something like what I call reading the post. They're sending the off four, um, dropping the guards, and they're not giving up those easy six, four, six feet jump shots, uh, hook shots, you know, lay ins. They're going for the Isaiah Thompson. You're going to have to 
you shoot your butt off and you have to get this job done. And, you know, kudos to that young man. He goes six for eight, four for six, two for two, you know, 18 points. He, he did a really good job. And what do you do? You yeah. know, and that's the game. Say he misses two of those shots. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it just kind of goes back to, to Fran going in there and saying, yeah, that's a good game plan. You know, you get beat, you get beat. You know, I do the same thing when, you know, I see a, a, a 10, two tens on the table and I got a seven and a four. <laughs> I'm doubling down. If, yeah. if the only way I lose is I don't get a 10, I'll take it. You know, it's, it's really cool. And, I, and you kind of see that sometimes when everybody plays the Hawkeyes. So it's twofold. I mean, I thought Troussant was, was a little bit more aggressive. I love how he gets to, that 45 degree angle with his jump shot. He, he's, he's a budding scorer. I, I, I wish he, I wish he would, you know, do a little bit more of that, but he's such an amazing leader. But you can see teams kind of moving off of him. Mm-hmm. You know, you can kind of see it that they're kind of packing the lane. They're, they're guarding those gaps and it goes both ways. So, you know, if you lose that way, you lose that way. But, you know, I was very impressed with, you know, Caleb first off the, off the bench. He did really well. Um, you know, he's a former USA basketball player. He's one of the highest ranked players, um, to come to Purdue. You know, he's from Fort Wayne, Indiana, the big six, eight left dude. He can play, you know, and, you know, Ethan Morton, he comes off and he scores seven points. They you, got know? Dudes. you just, they're good. These yeah. guys are really, really, really good. They're good on both sides. And, and it's not to take anything away from the Hawks because they're very, very good as well. Um, but yeah, Thompson kicked our butt, yeah. kicked their butt and, and got on that airplane, came home and, Got ready for his 8 a.m. class this morning, I'm sure. <laughs> Purdue 17 and 3 now on the season, 6 and 3 in the Big Ten. Iowa falls to 14 and 6, 4 and 5 overall. Our next guest, he is Mike Palm from Circus Sports in Las Vegas. Also part of the team that does the NFL Megapod with Gil Alexander, Todd Wishnev, and company. And well, if you're listening yesterday to the podcast, he said, take Purdue and lay the two points. What's happening, Mike? How are you guys doing? Good morning. Doing well out here. Excited, certainly, for what we have coming up this weekend, AFC-NFC Championship Games. We'll get into that in just a moment, but I texted you earlier this week, and as you guys always do a great job at Circus Sports, I said, can you get a a point spread or a line for a wrestling meet? And you just texted back, intriguing, went to the numbers, guys, and you fired it up. Penn State, Iowa tonight. It's number one versus number two. It opened up. Penn State the favorite, minus 285. Iowa on the money line was plus 240. That's basically doubled now. So I'm going to guess, Mike, for this wrestling meet, even though you guys are operating here in the state of Iowa, you've seen a ton of Penn State money. Is that fair? Yeah, we haven't taken a bet on Iowa yet. So, I mean, oh, I, wow. I, I, I don't follow it uh, since I've left the state the way I used to when I was there, mm-hmm. uh, obviously. But, you know, the guys here um, – originally said let's open at 350 and i'm the one that told them i think that's too steep yeah because because you're in iowa you're going to take iowa bets Mm -hmm. i said why don't you open it around 250 260 so they kind of met in the middle a little bit 285 and it appears that was light yes it is right now penn state minus 625 meaning you got to lay $625 just to get a $100 return on your money. On the other side, if you like the underdog Hawkeyes, you get them at plus 480. Bet $100, win 480 if the Hawks bring the upset tonight. A lot of toss-up matches is going to be fun, Mike, no doubt about it. Oh, wow. But how often do you guys do wrestling? And I got another question speaking of the futures market. You know, Could we get props for, say, the NCAA championships and each weight class? You guys go through and give the top five, eight seeds, something like that. 
where you can bet on each individual wrestler? Or is there just not the demand for it that it doesn't make sense to use your guys' time, especially at a time with the NCAA basketball tournament, to do something like that? Yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna depend on you know when the match starts tonight. I mean, how much did we write on it? And mm-hmm. that'll go a ways towards determining is there a market for it yet? Where we're at in Iowa, still in our infancy. Uh, the timing is the key element there with the NCAA tournament going on um, and, and having to make halftime lines and end game lines on that. But you know, it's interesting. I think the guys have done a good job of. of responding to requests and, and coming up with numbers, you know, look, we're, we're not afraid to hang a bad number because the market will, will get it to the right number. So I think this was a fun exercise and there's a few people in our risk room that know a little bit more about wrestling than I would have thought. So I think down the road, it's definitely a possibility. That's exciting. No doubt about it. And I know wrestling fans here in this state are going to be fired up about that. John Lamb here with me today. John, we got, of course, football, college basketball going on. What do you got for Mike Palm? Well, two things. Mike, I love your place at uh, in Vegas. Man. We had a good time there. Did we? Yes. You don't remember? Is that where we were? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm happy to be there, man. That thing is beautiful. Um, well, a couple of things. Uh, appreciate your time, sir. But I know you're probably getting all these, especially with you know conference season almost about halfway through right now. Who do you see just outright getting the most bets to be the national championship? You know. We're out here in the West, and you know we still are by proximity. A lot of our 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 customer base is Southern California. UCLA will start taking some steam now, especially with that win over Arizona. And yeah. The West is interesting, right? I mean, it, it's Gonzaga, UCLA, Arizona, really is the candidates for the Final Four and to win the national championship. The other conference is so competitive. I mean. The Big Ten is like very good, probably from, you know, 10 through 25 in the country, a lot of teams, but are there elite teams? The Big 12, I mean, if, if Kansas State is your worst team, that's a hell of a conference. I mean, yeah. it's not easy. It's not easy to go to Bramblage and come away with a W. SEC is pretty, pretty decent. Maybe the best conference right at the top. If you go five deep here, I think people still have questions on Auburn. Uh, people in the Midwest obviously remember. Bruce Pearl. I mean, they're a high risk, high reward type of a team, but seem to be very well conditioned. So I think it's, you know, I think at the end of the day, the, the majority of bets are going to come in of, of the likely teams on the Gonzaga and UCLA. Ken and I going to be out there for conference tournament week. Excited for that. You got all the conference tournaments happening in Vegas. And of course, all mm-hmm. the games that you can bet on NCAA tournament. It's always filled up, but that one becoming a bigger week. It feels like the conference tournament week, not just with all the teams that are there playing, but just about the the volume that you have of games to bet. I'm excited to get out there and hang out with you guys, Mike. You know, if you talk to people that really do this seriously or do it for a living, Conference tournament week may be the number one betting week of the year. Yeah. I, wow. it just There's so many games. There is. There's so many more than you get with the NCAA tournament. Going to be great. And, uh, well, if you guys want to go out with us, we'll be out there at Circa hanging out for the week of conference tournament. Ken will be out there starting Tuesday that week. I get in on Thursday. Going to be a great time. Stadium swim. Going to hit that up, do all those fun things. Lots of great things, as always, at Circa Sports in the biggest sports book in the world. We get out of here with this, Mike, couple of NFL games. Uh, you know, just conference championships. It took us, what, eight minutes to get to it, but let's do and dive in. And I'll tell you, I'm surprised we haven't seen the number 
tick yet, that we haven't seen the go- number for the Chiefs go from seven to seven and a half. I know the juice moving. Do you anticipate we're going to get to that seven and a half number before kickoff on Sunday? Oh, I think we might have lost Mike. It sounded a little funky. Yeah jumped out on us we'll see if we can get mike back on here in just a moment how about you you're looking at these games you're going to make your picks later on john what are your initial thoughts with the point spread chiefs favored by a touchdown and the rams laying three and a half against the 49ers oh man well if they shoot enough threes they'll definitely pull it off um if they get to the free throw line no i'm kidding i think i love the chiefs man they i mean i like Mahomes. i like uh kelsey i like um just how they kind of sling that ball around. But I really appreciate the Rams as well. You love the resurgence of Matthew Stafford. I mean, I, just, I love his story. I love kind of what his family's been through and just him persevering through adversity. Um, it's going to be good football. I mean, I don't know if anything will beat last week's football uh, games. I don't think you can. But it, there's going to be some good football on TV this weekend. We got Mike Palm back with us from Circus Sports. Mike, I was asking the Bengals-Chiefs game. Surprised it hasn't gone over the seven number yet to seven and a half. Do you anticipate that'll happen before kickoff? It's really hard to come off the seven because the bookmaker puts himself in a really bad spot there when you move off of it. You would see the juice on the Chiefs up to 115, probably will go to 120. It'll take a lot of money to get this thing over seven because there'll be buyback on the Bengals, even though I think it would be a pretty monumental upset for them to come out of Arrowhead with a win. There's still that great story with, with Burrow and Chase and this team 25-1 to 1 to win their division, making it to a title game. So I still think the number will close seven. Still stay at seven. Interesting. We wrap it up with the late game, 540 kickoff for us here, Central Time, and two West Coast teams, 49ers, Rams. Going to guess those 49er fans are firing away at that three and a half. Yeah, this is a, a tricky spot for us because the only team we really have liability to in the book for the Super Bowl is the Rams. But we're going to need the Rams in this game because at three and a half, we're going to get a ton of sharp action and public action on the 49ers. So the worst result is if the Rams win by one or two, mm-hmm. and the second worst result if they win by three. So we're either going to want, to want the Rams to win this game by four or more of the 49ers to win outright. He's Mike Palm, Circus Sports. Mike, know you got a busy day in front of you as always. Thank you so much for your time here on a Friday. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. See ya. Mike Palm joins us each and every Friday, and next week it'll be a different conversation as we'll be well, still a week away from the Super Bowl. Of course, the props will be out. We'll know who will be playing. We'll talk some more basketball and some other things with him. Who do you think? No betting, just, just football. Who's going to win? Yes. Straight up. Chiefs. Oh. And see, this is the problem, and this is the problem with betting. That Joe Montana is not playing. <laughs> right. Well, that's a problem, yes. too. And it's Jimmy G. So I have futures on both teams, both the 49ers and Rams to win the Super Bowl. So I'm in good shape either way. Whoever wins, I'm in good shape and I'll be able to hedge and make some money off of it. But I got more on the 49ers. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I think because of that, six in a row. And the way that we have continually seen Shanahan and McVay, yeah. I was hearing something. In fact, it was during Mike Palm's podcast, the Megapod. And they were talking about, and I think they had Dr. Bob, who's a famous sports better on the program, and he, he mentioned that defensively, the Rams just have been changing what they normally do when they play the 49ers, and obviously it hasn't worked. They lost six in a row. Like It's almost like he's in his head, McVay's in his head too much about this. Now. Right. That, that he's just, he's so wrapped up on beating you know, a guy that he worked under, a guy that he knows well, that 
He's outthinking himself almost, and that still creeps in the back of my mind. I know I'm grabbing the points with the 49ers at the very least. Three and a half. I, I think I'm going that direction, but in terms of winning, it might be the worst case scenario, as Mike said, for them. Rams win it, but win it by like a point. You know, 24-23, something like that right. at the gun, and Gay kicks the field goal. I could I could definitely see that scenario lay, playing out. And then does the Super Bowl stay there? Yeah. With no one in the stands? No, they'll, they'll have people there. They're all right. It's uh, the NFL. It's the NFL. They can do whatever they want. All right. Emmys, different. <laughs> Super Bowl, look at those numbers. Those TV numbers last week. You don't say no to the NFL. No. you don't. Even if you're Los Angeles and Hollywood, you don't say no to the NFL. Going to be great. And how about that? The Chiefs would have to, for the second consecutive year, hadn't happened in 54 Super Bowls, and it could be back-to-back years where a team has to play a team in their home stadium. Last year, of course, the Buccaneers. This year, possibility with the Rams. Never seen it before. A chance at back-to-back years of it happening after 54 straight. Just wild, wild stuff. Well, we're going to uh, turn the conversation Back to a little basketball here. You ready to talk Cyclones, John? Absolutely. Absolutely. Huge win for them, as we talked about yesterday. The win against Oklahoma State. Now, on paper, should be an easy game against Missouri. Yet, that Tiger team, they've had some moments, including well earlier this week yeah. against number 1 Auburn. Took them down to the wire, though. The end of game sequence. Woof. Yikes. Quanzo Martin, 35 seconds left in the game, and you don't foul? Yeah. That did not play out and, well, didn't even get a shot because of it. We'll talk about Iowa State coming up on the other side. Dave Sproul will join us, 1430 KASI. He's coming up next as we take you till noon. Trent Con and John Lamb here at Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. Oh, before that, got to try to give away $1,000 again. Can't forget about that. No. We got to get a winner here. Let's do it right now. Go to KXNO.com, and when you do, you'll see a little pop-up window. Put in the keyword Fun, F-U-N, fun at KXNO.com. It's your chance at $1,000. Again, fun at KXNO.com. Coming back, talking Cyclones next as we roll through on 106.3 KX. Line, wolfroofing.net. Now back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Trent Cotton joined today by John Lamb, Handle University Beyond Ball. Helping your youngsters out get better at the game of hoops and a little bit better at life. So, remember a couple weeks ago we went up to Ankeny. John helped out our next guest, Dave Sproul, as he was on Cyclone duty for the Cyclone Radio Network. He was down in Oklahoma, so we got to see the little Cyclones in action that's a good ball team. Yeah, he got called up to the big leagues, and we saw the big dogs of the yes. CML of 4A basketball in Iowa. Man, they are good. Tame and Lipsy and company, number one, and they are playing some high-level basketball. Had a big win last week against Waukee Northwest, and uh, helped solidify that position. He is Dave Sproul, 1430 KASI. It's where the Cyclones play, and the Little Cyclones as well. Dave, thanks as always for joining us. Good to talk to you. How's everything up in Ames? A little chilly, but otherwise it's all good. Yes. Well, we mentioned the high school front before we get into Iowa State. You told me that Iowa State Little Cyclone boys team, they're a fun squad to watch, and they certainly are. Last year made the run into the state tournament. Really good team at that point. But you can just see now the maturity. My first time this year seeing them in action, you can see they've. it feels like they've taken that final step. And for my money, they are the favorite in 4A. Is that how you see it? 
I would think so at this point, especially with that injury to Josh Dix, which is uh, mm-hmm. terribly unfortunate. Uh, and, and Ames took care of Council Bluffs, Abraham Lincoln in, in the state tournament last year, but it might have been a different story. Those two teams played a, an exhibition game uh, before the season started and then finished with a tie. So uh, <laughs> that probably would have been a much better showdown if Dix was healthy. Unfortunately, that's not the case. Uh, so they, they could still meet again in the state tournament, but I would have to consider Ames a favorite there. Walkie Northwest certainly pushed. Uh, the, the Cyclones uh, up in Ames, and it could be a different uh, story when they meet again at Waukee Northwest on, on Valentine's Day. And Bryce Sanford is a tremendous all-around player, and so that's a matchup I'm looking forward to, to seeing again. And, you know, Ankeny played the Cyclones pretty tough in the season opener, uh, and they're going to meet again Monday night uh, down in Ankeny. So I, I think uh, we're going to see some, some good matchups on the way, but I, I don't really see a team stopping Ames from at least getting to the state tournament, if not winning at all. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I don't think, um, you know, even if Dix was healthy, you know, Vance Down is is so talented at what, what he does with his groups. Um, you know, the talent that little Cyclones have. I mean, it's not just Taman. You know, is an unbelievable talent. You know, maybe one of the best guards I've seen um, ever in the state of Iowa at the high school level. The way he can get up the floor so quickly, one-two dribbles, he's at the rim. I mean, his vision, he's a willing passer. He's a great teammate, leader. Uh, I just I just don't see anybody stopping them. And, you know, Trayvon LeBlow, LeBlow, as soon as he keeps getting out of foul trouble early, I mean, he's an offensive threat. His athleticism is, is unbelievable. And then, you know, someone that I don't think anybody's really talking about on that team that does so many nice things is Luth. You know, he alters shots at the rim. He can hit the corner three, top of the key three, guard the bigger guys. I mean, I just think that they are primed and ready for a, for a state championship run. Yeah, and I think uh, pointing out Lucas Luth, I think, is, is valuable. He's not a guy who's going to end up probably at a D1 school. If he does, it would be a low-level school. But he went out there uh, one-on-one with Bryce Stanford, and Stanford got his, you know, he mm-hmm. averages 28. He got 27 that night. But Luth also came up with three huge block shots on Sanford that, you know, makes a huge difference, obviously, in a, in a five-point game. And I, I think he, he played – he defended uh, Sanford probably about as well as you could expect anybody to do. Yeah, I mean, Sanford's just such an offensive threat. His ability to pull up from, you know, 25 feet con- confidently, his length, shooting over top of smaller defenders – I've seen him develop a lot this this past three or four years, but I've seen him develop a lot just recently, last six to eight months, with his back to the basket. You know, eight, twelve feet out, um, that little turn away, turn around, fade away. Just a really incredibly talented player. He's going to be tough to guard whoever's on him. But it was nice to see that uh, you know maybe there's a little bit of chink in that armor because I've been watching him <laughs> this season and he's just what thirty and forty and. 28 and yeah i mean it's just unbelievable what he's doing um from a scoring standpoint for his group yeah and and i i gotta throw out some love for Corey phillips the senior forward for i was for ames i should say uh he's a guy who's four-year starter and he's really developed an outside game now too which is pretty impressive he's got great footwork down low good defender uh but now he's stepping out hitting threes hit a bunch of them uh tuesday down at the des moines lincoln and then uh he was a very reliable free throw shooter that was a struggle for him uh, earlier, but he really improved during the course of the last couple seasons. Now he's shooting them at a, about an eighty percent clip, which is about as good as you can hope for from a big man. Yeah, absolutely right. You know, and he's a Division One football player. That's what a lot of people don't know just how talented he is on the gridiron. But it's great to see that toughness carry over. And and you're right, man. He's the he's the hero of that group, in my opinion. Um, just with his ability to use his strength, rebound, kind of root people out of the post. You know, they're not going to get beat by some. You know 
big guy that's getting easy points like uh, you know, like the Hawkeyes had a hard time with last mm-hmm. night. Well, Dave, let's go from the little cyclones to the big cyclones. And Iowa State gets it done. There were some tense moments. The turnovers laced from Tyrese Hunter, but boy, Tyrese had that big dunk in overtime, hit a couple of big shots in the game. You continue to see the development out of the freshman. My question for you is shooting. We know this is an issue as a whole. Do you think Tyrese Hunter ultimately can become even a, say, 35, 36% three-point shooter? Is that a realistic goal for the freshman point guard? Not this year, but going forward. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, probably not for this season. <laughs> no. but yeah, the way, the way he's developing, and, and obviously he's got the work ethic to improve his game in all, in all aspects, I'm sure. Shooting will be a part of that as he uh, goes into a sophomore season. Uh, so right now, yeah, it's a bit streaky with the shooting, and that's probably true for Iowa State as a whole, really outside of Isaiah Brockington. Uh, but uh, Hunter's got the talent to be whatever kind of basketball player he wants to be, and he wants to be a pretty well-rounded guy. So I think uh, we'll see him improve that shot, and, and he'll probably get some more help as the years go on. And, you know, bringing in Taman Lipsy and, and uh, Eli King to help on the offensive end, there's just, you know, there aren't a lot of great options for Iowa State right now offensively, but Tyrese Hunter might be that uh, best option as the, the number two guy to relieve the, the pressure on Brockington. But he still needs to be more consistent on his shot, and I'm, I'm pretty confident that he will get there uh, through the course of uh, you know working on it this season and in, in, in the next season as well. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, the way he defends too is just unbelievable. And as a freshman, I don't care how talented you are or how many stars that are attached to your name, it's really hard to to keep that wind and, and play at such a high level defensively. You know, you look at his three point percentage. Twenty two is not terrible, but I guarantee you, if he wasn't, you know probably arguably one of the best on-ball defenders in the Big 12 and, and exerting all that effort for his team, you know, it's just, it's going to be a little bit different number. He's a stud. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, I was absolutely convinced he was going to make that shot at the end of regulation. Yep. Yep. He had you know, lost the handle on the ball. I mean, no one was going to stop him from getting to the basket in that situation. And it was good to see, I'm sure, for Iowa State to see him kind of shake that off. He shook off the, the turnover in overtime as well. It's, and uh, made uh, you know some big baskets for Iowa State down the stretch. That uh, was you know obviously a huge difference in an overtime game. With that, uh, we look forward and a win against Oklahoma State. It's a road win. You don't want to give it back though, and that feels like kind of it would happen here against a Missouri team that played well against Auburn earlier this week, but frankly just has not been good and certainly not consistent this season. What does concern you the most when you look at this Tigers team and? I was hoping that we'd get at least a replica of the football telephone trophy from back in the day. <laughs> that, that would be nice. Yeah, yeah. we got to bring a maybe the student section will bring their phones with them. <laughs> there uh, you the, go. The student section probably doesn't know what a landline is. No, anyway, but uh, nonetheless, yeah, it's going to be an intriguing matchup uh, if Iowa State isn't shooting the ball well, um, and it's a you know coin flip as to whether that'll be the case. Mm-hmm. Because Missouri, at the very least, we know they're going to come out and give you a great effort. That you don't uh, you know hang with Auburn. And, and lose by just one to the number one ranked team in the, in the country by uh, lollygagging around out there. So you're going to get the effort. They're going to push you. I don't know much about how they play or their personnel. I haven't really seen them play much or at all, to be honest, this season. I just know that they have played tough, and they've come up short, uh, obviously, and that's a difference maker. But they might not be a, they're a team that's probably not as bad, quote-unquote, as its record. They're not a good team. I don't, I'm not going to. Uh, try to sugarcoat and, and say that, you know, this is uh, one that Iowa State shouldn't win. I mean, this is a game Iowa State should win, but I don't think it's going to come easily by any stretch. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's never, never easy to beat anybody in this uh, Power Five, you know, world that they live in. And, and you know, you see how Auburn played them, and and you know they're talented. They just, I don't know what the deal is. We had a hard time figuring out yesterday. Maybe you got some insight on what happened to Missouri basketball, but no. holy cow! But you know, I love the fact, and and you know, it's small. It's so small, but I love the fact that they get to play at home on a Saturday. And, you know, in front of their fans and, and they could carry just even a little bit of that emotion and stay rested and, you know, stay local, stay grounded for the huge game they have Tuesday. You never want to look ahead, but how, how it's hard. It's hard not to. I have buddies all over the country that, mm-hmm. that I know are like, hey, can you get me can you get me Iowa State tickets for Tuesday? <laughs> and I'm like, you got 500 bucks? Yeah, because, right, right. I mean, they're not going to come easy. That place is unbelievable um, when the Jayhawks come to town. Yeah, it's a next level kind of deal. I think we, the best atmosphere so far was probably the Iowa game. The Texas game was up there too because it was it was a sellout and everybody really enjoyed that because Iowa State really took care of business in, in both of those games. And I, I think there'll be a good crowd for tomorrow, but it goes up multiple levels when it's, it's Kansas in town. And the way Iowa State is playing this year, just the excitement level. I mean, if you had a similar kind of team or results that you saw last season even with a packed house it, it wouldn't be the same kind of energy and expectations would be very different and then you of course you got that game in lawrence that came right down to the end and a controversial call that might or may not have cost iowa state the difference i'm not going to get into all that but, uh, <laughs> there's gonna there's gonna be some iowa state fans who are out for blood for sure uh, in, in that game, and they'll let the Jayhawks and Bill Self and the refs all know about it. Uh, no doubt Good. about it. Dave, uh, we'll be listening for you tonight. Mason City coming to town. You can catch both the girls and the boys games. 1430 KASI and that little Cyclone boys team. Very, very fun to watch. Dave, as always, thanks for your time. Always my pleasure. See you, Dave. Dave Sproul, 1430 KSI. You can also find those games on the iHeartRadio app. So, we got some high school hoops ourselves this evening couple of pretty big ones over at Valley High School at Cold Iron Fieldhouse. I like that, Jim. We'll talk about it when we come back. High school. John Lamb's seen a lot of games I have, too. We'll dig in a little bit deeper what we've seen across the CIML. Get you ready for, what, six weeks away from the state basketball tournament at the Wells. Coming up fast and excited for it. That comes on the other side. Also, 11 o'clock, we'll kick it off. Talking more Hawkeyes and getting into the Hawkeye loss to Purdue with Tom Caker from Hawkeye Report. 11.25, it's your chance to win Claxon's Barbecue and our picks before we get out of here. Miller & Conda continues in a moment on 106.3. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Wrapping up our number one here on KXNO, Miller & Condon. John Lamb joining me, Trent Condon. Until noon today, Murph and Andy come your way at 1 o'clock. The Fanatics at 3 so, John Lamb, we've uh, seen some high school basketball. We were talking a little bit about the Little Cyclones there with Dave Sproul from 1430. They are the number one team in the AP poll on the boys' side of things. we got a good one tonight. In fact, two really good games. We'll have both those games for you on CISN TV as Valley hosts the Johnston Dragons. Girls' side, Johnston number one, undefeated on the year. Valley at number eight. And 13 and 3 on the season on the boys' side. It'll be number 8 Johnston, 11 and 1, against Valley at 11 and 3. So let's break things down. Certainly, I know plenty of guys on that Valley boys' team you know well, including their leading scorer, Rue Bijek. 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 I get it wrong. I say it about six different times it's during the broadcast. It's a tough one. 
Eli Rarden out, though, for the season with the torn knee. Uh, still, Curtis Stinson Jr., he continues to improve the freshman. Mason Morrow, he was the quarterback. Revan Good, they got some dudes over there. Valley, though, as they learn to play without Eli Reardon, what have you seen lately out of the Tigers and expect to see tonight? Um, well, you know, Eli is one of my favorite people in the world, so I just it, it hurts my heart that he that he's going through an injury. But I know you know he's destined for greatness, so it's all part of his journey. Um, what I've seen from the Tigers, and I've got to watch him twice live since the injury, three or four times total. They're playing a little bit faster pace. They're getting the ball up a little bit more. Uh, Root's done a great job around the rim. Um, you know, he's a he's a hybrid stretch four, what I call him. He can shoot the ball, but it's really allowed the guards to kind of get pieces of the paint, attack a little bit more, um, letting Mason Morrow just kind of have a little freedom. He's an unbelievable decision maker. I mean, he's got like a 35 on his ACT, you know, a 5.7 GPA. He's going to Amherst in Massachusetts. Um, This incredibly intelligent young man. It's allowed him to kind of just flourish, you know, through the lines. On the other side, Johnston. Stephen Kramer had an incredible state tournament mm-hmm. a year ago for the Dragons as they went toe-to-toe for Waukee for that state championship a season ago. Numbers still there for him, but it seems like Trey Lewis, this will be my first look at the Dragons, though. It's not just scoring. We always knew Trey Lewis could shoot it. Yep. He's really good at that, but he's doing so much more, becoming more of a facilitator. He's got over 100 rebounds on the season. How crazy is that? Because Trey, he's not six foot, is he? Uh, that's what the that's what the book says, uh, okay, Trent. Okay, I'm not right. that guy. Uh, I'm not that trouble, guy. I got in trouble last week saying something, so yeah, I'll, I'll stay away. I'll stay away. But Trey looks like his game is certainly t- taking a big step up. Yeah, it has, and he's always been a very talented basketball player. Um, very heady, uh, like you like you said. He, he's always been very skilled as a shooter. Um, and what really makes him very good is, you know, he's he's also very talented eight, six feet in with his little floater. You know, he's not going to get all to the rim and slap the backboard, mm-hmm. but he's very wise um, with his decision-making and timing as that big rotates over, um, you know, or as a defender steps up or a double team comes. But I've been really impressed with his, impressed with his passing. You know, they're... They're getting trapped. He's getting different defenses thrown at him. He's doing a great job of, of facilitating for his teammates and getting easy buckets, and that's why they're 11-1. and one. They're doing a great job playing together. Game one, number one, Johnston against number eight, Valley, on the girls' side of things. And that Dragon squad, they are absolutely loaded. I mean, just te- players that have been around for a long time. Ali Tanky. Playing as a sophomore feels like she's been around forever. This is just her second season at the varsity level. They just got a ton of ways they can beat you. Oh, they can knock your block off fast. Mm-hmm. You know, and it starts with Jada Gimphy. You know, um, she she's unbelievable, right? She she's signed to go to Iowa. I think she's like the 48th ranked player in the country. Um, but what makes her so good, you know, you don't see these outrageous numbers. She's not averaging, you know, like Price Sanford, 28, 27 or whatever it is, or even Trey Lewis on the other side, 23 points a game. She's not averaging those type of numbers, but it's because she rebounds. She, she's willing to make that pass. She's getting, um, you know, offensive boards and doing the little under the hoop kick out to the shooters. I call it the dad shot. Um, cause it never really happens in basketball, but they shoot such a high percentage of that ball coming out from underneath the basket. And she's just tremendous at getting that ball delivered to her shooters right in the pocket. She plays great defense and she rarely ever gives up any, you know, anything on the glass on the other end of the floor. So they're able to rebound that ball, pitch it out in transition and really let their girls go and fly up the floor. 
Johnston, number one on the girls' side. Centennial, number three. Roosevelt, ranked fourth. Dowling, six. Valley at number eight. Ankeny, 10. Southeast Polk, 11. Waukee, Northwest at 12. We are loaded, as we seemingly always are. The CIML is great in pretty much every sport. I mean, it's the elite of the elite, if you will, for high school conferences in our state. I would argue... For girls basketball, it might be at the top level of all the sports out there. Just the depth of this conference on the girls' side is incredible. Yeah, I mean, and it starts with the dudes on the sideline. You know, we have such great coaches here in central Iowa. I could go down the list, and I won't so I don't leave anybody out. They know who they are, right? right? And if you've played for them, you know who they are. These guys are good. These girls are good. They they do a fantastic job preparing these young players. Um, but you said it, you said it, TC. Basketball. Girls basketball, especially through Central Iowa, um, unbelievable. It's high-level stuff. On the boys' side, Ames number one. Talked about the Little Cyclones earlier. Waukee Northwest at number three. Also have Ankeny and Johnston in the rankings. They're tied for eighth in the latest AP poll. little look around high school basketball. Again, you can hear high school hoops. Tonight, CISN TV will have the video call. Also next week, back on the radio airways, both Monday and Tuesday, we'll bring you the boys' game on Monday with Johnston and Dowling. That'll be at 8 o'clock right after the Cyclone Coaches Show. And then Tuesday, a doubleheader for you all here on KXNO. One hour down, one more to go. Talking Hawkeyes next. Tom Kakert, HawkeyeReport.com. He joins us as we continue in a moment. <laughs> 